So a few years ago, um, I, was, I, was, I was listening. In actual fact, when Kathleen came, I felt, I felt in my spirit, we need to declare over the children. And then Kathleen confirmed that. And um, what happened is that a few years ago, um, I was teaching children's church. And uh, I'll never forget, you know, you, you, you start doing work as a young Christian. And I'm going to talk to a few generations here to, to, uh, today. And um, part of why I asked Sheldon to, if I could share over two weeks, because I'm so aware that um, for me personally right now is that I'm gaining ground in my own life in terms of what I believe God is doing for where I am and was in my health and what was taking place. But also, my heart is just filled and, and there's a rightful indignation in me, like with a few of us, where we feel that enough is enough. And so, next week, for those that are visitors, welcome, nice to have you. You can catch some of the stuff online um, through our, our, our website and others. But actually, next week, I'm going to share a little bit, because some people have been asking about Siakula, but not today. I just felt today I want to share a little bit what's been in my heart for quite a while. And then, God willing, next week we'll share a little bit about Siakula and also the journey that has happened, but more so with what is happening on the earth. The winds of change is blowing. If you ever want to walk away with a title, I didn't come with one. Because I just said, Lord, you're going to have to do what you need to do. I've come over-prepared to a sense that I'm under-prepared. If you're going to figure that one out, let me know. But truthfully... (laughs) I just felt today, as much as I was prepared, I needed to hear what God was saying. And I do have my notes, and I do have things that I have prepared. But when the song was sung, God said, this is it. The wind of change is blowing. Now, Sheldon will have a doctorate in windology, if there is anything like climatology. Whenever you speak to Sheldon, for those of you who know him well, he will always make reference to the wind in some way or another, whether he's walking in his preach. And it's quite interesting because there is some analogies and things that I felt... I want to share with you, but I want to come back to the story. A few years ago, we were working in children's church. I just came to the Lord, and I want to speak to some of you as young people here. If you are under, how do you define this now? 35 is the government one. But if you're under 30, firstly, I just feel that's just a number that comes to my mind, if you feel that's you. If you're over 30, you're not old, you're just more mature, and you've, um, yeah, you've matured. But I want to speak to those that are under 30 right now, and I want to share this as a testimony with this one. I, I, I've had this opportunity to serve the Lord since I was 16 and a bit, and I came to the Lord. And just briefly, I was sitting, in, I was invited to a church service where the, the guy who preached was on the five maidens and unwise maidens. And in actual fact, I still know his family today. And I was sitting there, they made an altar call uh, to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your friend and Savior. And I thought, not for me. In my mind, I thought, I'm going to wait until this old guy, this is the image I had, I'm going to sit on a stoop. Listen to this analogy. This is now my Christian thought back then as a 16-year-old. I'm going to smoke my pipe and serve the Lord. That was me. That's the image I had. Smoke my pipe and serve the Lord. Now, some people say, oh, as a Christian. Yeah, that was my, my image. Now, but I, honestly, that's what I felt Christianity was like. That's, what, that, that's where I was at. And then I sat in the service. The altar call was made. People went forward. I sat there and I'm like, sure. I dodged that bullet. I was so grateful, honestly, that people left. But you know what? The conviction of God was so strong. I couldn't stop crying. While I was sitting where I was, um, I was going to tell you what church it was, but I don't want to go there too much. And it was, it was a church that, that was very legalistic in a way. And, um, and I sat there, and I was so grateful because I thought, oh, I dodged that bullet. 
People are going, they're going to close the service. I'm happy, I'm going to go home. And I'm sitting and crying, and my mom and my aunt and uncle were sitting behind me. And they saw what happened, because they were saved, and are saved. And uh, my uncle tapped me on the shoulder, and he says, uh, can, I, can I just ask you, would you like, um, can I talk to you? I said, sure. I thought, that's not going to hurt, but we need to go to the room on the side. I'm like, okay, I'm okay with that. And we got to the side, and he said, how are you feeling? What's happening? And I told him, I just can't stop crying. And he, and he asked me the question, would you like to receive the Lord into your life? Now, in my mind, I said no. But my mouth said yes. <laughs> this was such a weird feeling. I'm like, what? Did my body just fail me? Because I thought no. Because remember my image. I want to wait until I'm older. I'm going to sit on the stoop. Not now, I'm 16 and a bit. And I, I said yes. For days, I couldn't stop crying. For days. My eyes were, like some of you got natural blue eyes. My eyes was puffy. And I kept on just, and then somebody discipled me and took me through a process and where I started to grow as a Christian. And the foundation of that was in my prayer life and, and hearing God's word and understanding his word. Those were two foundational stuff. And I want to ask you as young people, as where you are today, and I'm going to fast forward with a testimony, but whatever, whatever age you think you are, God can use you irrespective of where you find yourself. If you are growing up in Freyhunt or in the Cape Flats or in wherever you find yourself, do not look at your circumstances and situation. Part of my life was growing up in the Cape Flats with an understanding of what I saw. It's either I'm going to be a gangster or I'm going to lead gangs or I'm going to be involved with things that is not God only. That was my introduction uh, to what I believe a young people's life should be. And so when I had this encounter with God, for the first time in Stellenbosch, a few years later I became involved with uh, youth, and I I wanted to hear from God. Because I always heard these older Christians say, I'm hearing from the Lord. Like, what are they talking about? And I'll never forget, I was at a campsite, and we did some leadership training, and we all were sent away to just go and hear from God. I'm like, sure, that's a task. And I sat there, I was on my lonesome, and I was listening to the wind, and I thought, Lord, and my desire was, Lord, I want to hear from you. And then I heard this voice for the very first time. And it was in the quietness and in the wind blowing. And God said, I'm here. I'm in the wind. I'm in nature. And I'm in you. And that encounter caused me to desire the things of God from that time to now. Where I still love to hear his voice. Now, I can't always hear it clearly. I can't always hear it in the hustle and the bustle. And so there's times that it takes you away in, in quietness that he just wants you to find him. And it was that moment that I realized that me receiving the Lord has a purpose, a plan, and a direct understanding of my life's journey. And for you as a young person, as young as you are, pursue that in your career. I went to go and study at university, but I knew that my job wasn't my calling. My job wasn't my calling. My calling was what God says. Whether it was with working with people through my career, through what I was doing, through Tracy, I met her a few years later. And why I want to frame this is because 
if we understand that the winds of change are blowing, that our lives from one point to the next must count for something. God has placed you on this earth for His plans and His purposes. Now I cannot, and some people do this, they go to prophets and they say, speak over my life and tell me what God is saying. Firstly, a prophet will confirm what God has already said to you. We must understand that. There are times, yes, God will use prophets to speak into your life. And then as you walk this through, you see it unfold. That does also happen. But it's a confirmation. But you've got to firstly hear from God for yourself. That's important. You've got to pursue after the things of God. So at that time, I got involved with children's work. got involved with youth work and community work. And I never thought, um, later down the life line, you start hearing testimonies of people. Uh, you get people come to you and say, Errol, do you remember you preached on that and that date and you spoke to me? I said, no, I can't remember the preach. I couldn't. Do you remember you shared a word of encouragement or something? I just couldn't. All I knew was just living my life with what I believe God was called me to do. So I got a call a few months ago from a young girl we were on a group together, and she said to me, I was waiting for 30-something years to speak to you. I'm like, okay. Now I'm thinking, where is this going? And she saw me with this group that we're part of in the city, and she said, I just want to say thank you to you. I was 11 years old, she said. Now, I was about 18 back then. And she said to me, today, I'm married to a pastor. I'm full-time in ministry. Everything you spoke over my life over that time has come to fulfillment. I sat back and I said, Lord, what are you saying here? Now, I could say, yes, you know, oh, that was me. Up. <laughs> you know, I was so, yeah. I can't. Because I couldn't remember what I said. But all I knew when I, when I took the call and I was done, I heard God say to me, you keep on doing what you're doing. Because you will never know all the people you have touched. You will never know all the lives that you have changed. And I want to say this to you, firstly, as a young person. And then as those are a bit more mature, we will never know. Because you know why? Because if we do, pride will settle in. Ah, you see? And we will hold titles that is not of God. And we will use that titles later um, in a different way that is not God intended. So I want to read a scripture. And it's a familiar scripture. There are two that I would like to read. And the scripture is actually what Sheldon touched on this morning. That's a very, very familiar one. Because this scripture has arrested my heart for years. And I've been struggling with this as a young Christian firstly. And now, with, as you grow older, you still struggle with these things. And I, before I read the scripture, let me frame it. If the church is the answer, why are we in so much turmoil? If we set the standard, why are we always behind the ball? Not in terms of ahead of the curve. Because the church is the answer. And the scripture is one we are all familiar with. Let's turn there. Ephesians 3.10. It's such a familiar scripture. There are different versions to it. I'll read the NIV first because it's one some of us like. His intent was that now through the church... The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities and heavenly realms. 
Another translation says, To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. The last one. So now, through the church, the multifaceted wisdom of God in all its countless aspects might now be made known, revealing the mystery to the angelic rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Now let's pause for a moment. That through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made manifest on this earth. Doesn't matter what our names are. Edel Valentine, Shalom Kidwell, Tracy Valentine, the list goes on. Our names falls in the background. Because when we understand the principle and what is godly principle of through the church, the kingdom of God is activated through us. I'm going to come back to this. Because it means, and the scripture I'm going to read afterwards, that there's no colored or white, Indian or black, rich or poor, slave or free. Because we, some of us know that scripture. That's right. There's no gender. And that scripture, I'm going to come back in a few moments, because that scripture has twisted into this modern term such a lot of division more than an understanding that God says we are one. Because human understanding has brought division of attaching color, race, and class to us, which is ungodly. It's not godly principles. Kingdom principles do not see that. Kingdom principles do not see your gender. Because his anointing doesn't fall certain authorities... Uh, although in some uh, in the Bible understanding with male and female, we understand who is the head of the home. That under, we understand that authority and the power that God gives. But it doesn't mean you rule over your home as someone that dictates. It actually means that the understanding there is that you hear and lead your home. Because if you claim that scripture, then are you doing Bible study in your home? Are you leading your home in prayer? There's some requirements to that. And so. When the anointing of God falls on us, that our gender is not being questioned. Our race is not being questioned. Our class position is not being questioned. He pours his anointing on all of us. So some people, when you work in the community, come to certain people, and they go as an, an understanding that you must help me because you are white, because you are privileged. But yet we do not understand this, that God says he has poured out that same blessing on the white on the color, the black, and the reason why I'm using this as a separation is for today and for the understanding that the kingdom of God does not see that color. So you see why we're getting, there's 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 something in me that brews, that comes up, because I fully understand that if we're going to take ground in the heavenlies, we've got to talk into issues that was always just hanging. We've got to speak into this. This is not about race today. Today is about the kingdom of God that is advancing. Come, let's go to that scripture. And that scripture is found in Galatians um, 3, 28. There are different references to it, but the one I want to use is Galatians 3, uh, 28. Because there are, there are quite a few references to the scripture. Verse 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male or female, 
for we all are one in Christ Jesus. We are all one what? In Christ. Now here's the, the difference. In the world, we were classified according to our cl- color, class, and gender. When you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, that does not exist, although in terms of our character uh, identification, and some of the theologians, is quite clear. He doesn't make, a, uh, Paul when he speaks, and other writers do not make away with gender, doesn't make away with the Jew or Gentile. We, they do exist, but through the kingdom of God lens, you do not see people the same. Because the kingdom of God changes that. Because the blood of Christ flowed for everyone. Not for certain groups of people. So when you are in need and you require things of God, do not look at a race classification and say, you owe it to me. This is very important to understand. Nor should we respond based on our race. We need to ask godly wisdom. Because too many NGOs, too many churches has looked at that, oh, we must help the poor in certain areas. But what about the poor who lives in Musenberg, Lakeside, and others? Because there are poor people there too. There are not just poor people in Freikron. They are poor in spirit. There are some who are struggling financially. So you see what happens now because we've been conditioned by our government systems only to look at certain people as poor. That's a lie. That's a lie. Because it does mean that if there's no Jew, no Gentile, if there's no um, person in the kingdom of God that we see through the same lens, then the playing field is even. So it means I can refer to Sheldon as my brother and not my white brother. From another mother. <laughs> Just to add that one. He's my brother. Period. That's my sister. That's it. That's my friend. You see what happens now? The separation and the division has caused wars, violence, conflict, even in our homes, of roles and response. You must do this. And that's why there's so much gender confusion. Because the enemy knows when those spirits that was released and invoked by some people, it's caused, it brings division. Have you ever found a gender confusion discussion to be peaceful? There's There's the test. That's already the test. Have you had conversations with people with the gender and the the articles? There are too many actually at the moment, but you can't read them all. But try, try just to have a conversation with someone. Talk to people about race. Can I just talk to you about your white privilege? You really, it sounds wrong, eh? Come, let's talk peacefully through this. The fact that you have more than myself. Do you see what the enemy does? He has caused division in the communities, in the church, through the body of Christ, by just using things that was man-made. Because we just read the scripture now. It says there, and I'll read again, there is no Jew or Gentile, no slave, nor free. There is no male and female. You are all one in Christ. Put it as a bumper sticker. You see a response you're going to get. How can we all be one in Christ? No. I, I worship Buddha. 
Yeah. That's my right to worship it. Let's not go there. You see, in the kingdom of God, we yield our rights to His. Because then the biblical principles get activated in us. It means that you trust where you cannot see. Because in the world it tells you, your bank balance, will you must trust that. And your worldly possessions and what you have, trust that. But you know what? The, when I've gone, I've gone to many funerals, I haven't seen people, be, well, okay, some people are more eccentric here. They get buried in their cars, but for those who can't. Um, I haven't seen people being buried with their houses. I've seen people get buried with their money. I've heard of those. But truthfully, in the kingdom of God, that burns. Because it doesn't stand. What does stand is what we've done with people we've engaged with. Our hearts were weighed. How we respond to people, what we do. That is eternal. There are a few more other things that is eternal. The fact that when somebody came to me and said, I give you, um, I ask of you for water or a loaf of bread, that I've responded, not out of guilt, but because the Bible shows me how to do that, out of empathy and understanding. Because there's the difference. Because it's, it's the same with faith. If we don't come with a contrite heart before God, He weighs that. So he's going to tell uh, Jesus, as, as an advocate on our behalf, your son or your daughter is asking, what is the heart condition? Because truthfully, that is also where it burns. Because if we are doing things and we don't have the right heart standing, God questions that. Because he also knows our motives are attached to that. And so with pure hearts, with clean hands, that we've got to come before him with an understanding that he searches the motives of the heart. We can't do that. So when somebody comes to us, we can't ask them their motive. For I'll give you an example, um, with some of the waves with lockdown, and Tracy must just help me please with the time frame. It was in, in 2020 when everything got activated, and, and then this church became a relief care center. And people asked me, Edel, which, pe- which people groups are you going to serve uh, relief to? Like, what do you mean, which people groups? Everybody. They said, yeah, but you know, Freikron, I said, I hear that, but I don't see that because I understand the kingdom of God principles is everybody's going to struggle during what's happening with the phases and lockdown. And so truthfully, we served in 18 different areas. We had nine different drivers, 1,400 families, irrespective of where you live. Because the kingdom of God helps us to understand that. That when we serve as a church, we do understand that there are certain people groups that are struggling on certain issues. So what I like with what's happening in our leadership, that we're starting to get people to speak into the context of our people groups so that we can understand as Christians how to pray, how to read God's word so that we can understand things better and be more alert in the spirit to respond here on earth. Now let me break this down, because some, I can see you're eating a blank now. Some people, for example, when I, we go into communities, um, I'll give you an example. I've, I've traveled a little bit, and I went to Uganda, and it was the most humbling experience to find when you come there, people would bow down in front of you because you're now a man of God, and that's how they greet you. 
And I said to the person, what are they doing? They said, no, it's a cultural thing. I said, if you can ask them not to do that, because it's, it's, it's uncomfortable. But I had to understand it in a way that it's in the culture to respect you and, and to greet you in that way. When I go to certain homes, some people would take out um, certain crockery and cutlery that was, they would normally not use because you're a special guest and they would like to treat you with the kind of respect. I'm like, okay, now it took me back to the Old Testament because there's some stories in the Bible that you hear for those who were poor that they took out their best to honor. And then I had to walk in with this understanding. Now, do I, I come and disrespect it by saying no thank you? So I receive it as a gift and I appreciate it. And what happens culturally, there's an exchange of understanding. That in order for me to accept you in my culture, there's a certain way I need to, do, to honor you, but there's also a certain way I need to receive it and not just say, oh, you know what? That's so old and so... Uh, we don't do that in our culture, so I can't come and sit with you. Do you see what the division does? It divides us on the basis of it's in my culture. But what God is saying in His Word, understand this, when you understand the kingdom of God principles, you will understand that there's Klosa and Zulu, Afrikaans and English. You will understand that there's colored black and white. But through the kingdom of God, you will understand that your heart condition can break those barriers. So I can speak to you whether you're Afrikaans or English. I can speak to you whether you're Zulu or Klosa, whether you live in the Cape Flats or not. Irrespective. So when I go to throw in my fuel, I speak to John, Jack, whatever his name is. I don't see him just as a petrol attendant. When I'm engaging with a cashier, having a bad day, oh, I'm so tired today. Yeah, but when I come here all the time, you're always tired, but nevertheless. Um, but how was your day? How's the children? How oh, we're so busy. Do you see what happens now? There's an engagement there that is way beyond you, just a cashier, you must take my things. And I'm in a hurry now because, and these are kingdom of God people. You will notice both though, and this is just my observation, when I go to the shop, sometimes it's not the unsafe people that get um, revel, ra- uh, no, flustered. Thank you, long, long queues. It's actually the Christians. And then I see him like, ooh, where is the fruits of the Spirit now? Because truthfully, that's where the test is. Because it's nice to be on a Sunday. I love coming to church. But what is even more important that God says when we go, we're going to make disciples. We've got to lead by example. We've got to do what I've said in the question earlier. If we are the church, then we need to lead. People watch us at work. They watch how we respond to the, to the challenges. Sorry. You know, there's a myriad of examples in my mind and I'm watching time. <laughs> Let me just use this one. I've worked in environments where, where people are so flustered. All the Bible says there is a bit of patience. And these are Christians. These are born-again believers. I'm not even talking about unbelievers. And, and all I'm thinking is um, just a little bit of patience would help a little bit there because that's one of the fruits of the Spirit. And we're going to see and we're going to be tested more and more in this age, like before, on some of the things we declare as Christians here on a Sunday. And that we have in our personal time and our private and devotional time in the week. We are going to be tested more and more on our heart conditions, on are we setting an example, because the church is the vehicle. It's through the church. It's through the church that the manifold wisdom of God will be made manifest. Through the church. God is not going to use a 
what some people know is a parrot church organization, which is possibly a breakaway or an NGO or something like that. It's not Tricia Kula, the Sosa Foundation, and a host of other NGOs you can mention that God is going to find a solution to answer the world today. It's through the church. God will activate people in the church to serve in the community. We must get this right. Because even for us as Siakula and what we do, which I'll share with next week, it's not Siakula doing anything. It's the church. It's through the church. And it's through the church that God will be, what, be made manifest. It means God will be glorified. God will be uplifted. God will be exalted. God will be the one who gets the, the glory. So when people come to you and say, thank you for what the Bay City Church is doing, all we can say is, we thank the Lord for His faithfulness and His provision for what he is able to make let us do and do it. I told you the last time, my phone is on auto text on that. When people say, thank you, Edel, for what you're doing, I, I can't accept the thanks because we can't accept it. It belongs to him. The glory is his. Because he must get glorified through our lives. He must be glorified through what we do. When people get a raise in your business owner and people come to you and say, oh, you know, boss, uh, thank you for my increase. No, it's not me. God made provision. When our children come to us and say, Dad, you know, Mom, thanks for what you're doing. God has made it possible. Because He's given us to be stewards of what we require. Now, I'm watching the time, Sheldon. That's why also two weeks, right? Now, this is somewhere where I, I know some of us, if you know the bay well, we like to talk. We have conversations. Before we have communion, I want to ask us a question. And this is a question I, I'm, I'm going to ask for the response where we can engage with each other. In which way have we seen the church fail in certain areas of our lives and in our community? Just think of anything. Not a long explanation. Just a pop-up. In which way have we seen the church? And I'll tell you why I'm, going to, I'm asking this question. Because when we leave from here today, we're going to walk back and say, who is the church? Firstly, the church is us. And there are different representations of the church. I was in a meeting one day, and, and there was a Christian brother uh, who just got flustered, said a couple of beautiful French words, um, from the Cape Flats, by the way, and left out of the meeting. And I'm like, dude, you're representing the body of Christ, and you just... It was a bad representation in that meeting where there were quite a lot of people. Anybody here want to be so brave? In which way do we see this in our communities and where we are? as the church, as what we perceive and understand as failed. Let's go. We're quite nice and responsive. Come. Anybody? You can just shout it out where you are. Yeah? Yeah, that's right. So Emily, like I, we've, uh, Caleb and I had this discussion yesterday a little bit. There's so many men, for example, I'm going to start the reaching out because they've gone through challenges and are lonely. Tonight, we meet at 5 o'clock. We're going to have a braai and a sausage in terms of just a burger and a sausage in, and some games. It's a wonderful opportunity that we've seen in men. For example, first, they want to start there and young people and say, let's get together and connect. Or oh, there's somebody that I can... Because that is true. But there's also opportunities that we must seize. Then with women, we've seen this, the loneliness and what has happened... Where some people is like, I just want to be on my own. I don't want to engage. I'm a very private person. Reach out to someone that can understand and pray with you and support you. This is what the body of Christ is here for. 
We don't need to run through a cell group because we don't have that. We have connecting groups. We have times that we come here, this coffee that we serve, invite someone, and you can pick that up. And sometimes God will show you that somebody is lonely. Send a message and say, listen, I've been praying for you and thinking of you today. Listen to that still, sweet voice. Listen to it. Because that's the Holy Spirit prompting you. What else? Thank you, Emily. Yes. Single mothers. Oh, absolutely. And, it's, and it's, there's, a, there's a deep call for that in through the church. Warren, sorry, I'll come to you, sir. Yes? To represent there as well. So it could be a prayer group even that is needed sometimes from time to time. I, I, I've noticed even in some um, workplaces they don't allow you to, to, for example, pray, but you still need to represent uh, the body of Christ and what it looks like. Sir? Vulnerable, I, uh, the second? Orphan. Okay, thank you. Anyone else? Let's just pop this up. Jackie? Exactly. Absolutely. Anyone else? Thanks. Yes. Sure. That was the conversation we just had yesterday. We've got to talk about this stuff, mental health issues, and it affects everyone, each and everyone. And the lid must be lifted, and some churches and places don't. We at the Bay, we talk about these things. It's important. Thank you for that. Anyone else? Just a few more. Yes. Oh, you want to get me going? But absolutely. But it also means that we are aware of it. How do we pray into it? We have people that are leading the ways with uh, updating us, whether it's a petition we must sign, whether it is that we have a voice. For example, the, the budget has um, come out with the city of Cape Town. How many of us as Christians has commented on that budget? And, and yet the, the adverts went out every week. There's a deadline on that, on that uh, particular one. Uh, on the 5th of June, I'll mention it. No, sorry. I know the, the deadline is the 5th of May. But the 5th of June, we're going to have the deputy mayor here with his team. And we're going to pray with him, but we also have an opportunity. They do pop up, Terry Ann works with the deputy mayor. They do pop up a little um, uh, offices that they have and services where you can engage. How many of us as Christians sit in our chair and just say, oh, the government, you know? But we don't engage enough to take it forward. How many of us know that we can log on to a link and complain about the light that is out? And not go and call the deputy mayor or the ward councillor and say, you know what, our light is out, um, just log the call. And within 24 hours you will get any response. That's how amazing the system is. So we must educate ourselves as we educate the community. Complaining is not the solution. As a church, we get up. We do. We involve. So we educate you. And we can put that links later on our WhatsApp group to say, if you have a problem, and it's all over social media, it's in the newspapers, just, so, so the, the, there's other engagements, and let's, I don't want to go there. Anyone else? I've got one or two more minutes before we do communion. Yes. That's right. And, and to understand that, and, to, to, and then we also have child-headed homes that also triggers for me. So, there, so my point here, thank you, I'm going to close it for now. I'm, I'm back next week. <laughs> you see where I'm going here the church must lead the way so with the fact that we know about these things do we wait for Pastor Sheldon and Sister Kathleen and the eldership to, to, to do this what is God saying to you what is God calling you to do what is God ignited in your yeah but you know I'm so busy and I've got how many series did you just watch this week 
Oh, ouch, did it that? Because if I am that busy, um, then maybe I must just get my priorities a little bit differently. I love watching a series. I am watching one at the moment. I don't have an issue with it. But I do prioritize my time. So there's days I, I, I watch a series and there's days I don't. And there's days I work in the community and I engage with people. It's what is important right now. The kingdom of God is advancing. You need to decide if you are just a spectator or a participator. Are you enlisted in this army? Because you are actually, by the way. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So that's a done deal. Uh, if you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your friend and savior, that's the condition. And that means you're enlisted. That means you're equipped. That means you are what he says you are. That you are the head and not the tail. That you are more than a conqueror. That greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And there's a host of other things he says. I'm going to close off with this as we're going to share communion. And I want to do this in, in this way when we share communion. And I want to read the scripture. For I have received from the Lord what I pass on to you. On the night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in the remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he also took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant established by my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. I just want to make one comment to this in light of what I've just shared with you this morning. What we're going to do this morning celebrates the Lord's Supper. But the cup speaks about unity. It's a representation of that we are one in Christ. So when we commune of this today, yes, we thank Him for His blood and we thank Him for His body. But He died so that we can be one in Christ. One in Christ. And that's what we're going to celebrate today. The oneness in Christ. The oneness that we stand for because of the fact that he's called us to be one. Now for some of us that word Samunye rings a, a bell. We are one. I'm going to ask us before to stand. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for, for what is prepared for the table. The musicians want to invite you to come. And uh, we're going to serve communion. I'm going to ask us to be mindful that today, as we partake, we partake because of the oneness that is, that is in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that on the cross of Calvary, you've paid it all. Thank you, Father God, that through your blood and through the bread, the broken, oh, Father God, that the brokenness that we understand through your body has made us whole again. We pray as a church, as this church, that as we partake today, that we are reminded that we are one in you. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your body that died for our salvation and for all our sins. Thank you, Lord, that there is victory in the cross. That there is oneness that allows us to move 
in power and might. Thank you, Lord, that as we are one, that the enemy understands this. That when the church of God is on the move and there is unity, that all demons must flee. That the manifestation of your spirit is evident. That there will be healings and miracles that will take place. That there will be prosperity, not financially only, but in all aspects of our lives. Because your word is so clear. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added to us. So that's what we're pursuing. Is to seek first your kingdom as a church. Not just individually. That through this, that uh, symbols here today. That we want to make manifest. That today, through the Bay City Church, through your church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made manifest on this earth today. So when we see each other in the streets or in the shopping malls, we see our brothers and our sisters, we are mindful that you've made us one. Let this same spirit move into our communities, Lord, so that we can speak peace and not division. That we will be the peacekeepers that you called us to be. That will be the salt and the light. That we will lead the way in Jesus' name. I invite you to come and share and partake as God lays in your heart. If you even want to share it with someone else here today, that's an opportunity to do that. Let's do that. The communion. where you are, I want to pray this scripture over us as we close in prayer. But even as we sung this here this morning, that the wind of change is blowing over us as a country, as a church. First Timothy 2 says, first of all, I urge you that in your supplications and prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people, for the kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and pleasing in the sight of God. So if we want to please God, let's pray for those around us. So let me just rephrase this one. This is good and pleasing in the sight of God and Savior desires all people to be saved, that to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, there is one mediator between God and men and, the, and through Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that today we are one in you. As the wind of change is blowing in our own lives, it blows away the dirt, it blows away the things that is not of you. Thank you that the wind also brings a beautiful freshness in our lives. And we pray that as salt and light, 
as ambassadors on this earth, that we will correctly represent you on this earth as it is in heaven. We pray that today and every day and the weeks and months that lie ahead, that the full power of God by your Holy Spirit, the dominus power of God, the God, the power of your Holy Spirit, that when we lay our hands on people, they will be healed. That, Lord God, that when we speak, it will change. That when we step into a room, the atmosphere will change because we are changes, O Father God, on this earth because of the kingdom of God. That we will understand the power of God that is made manifest in us and through us. We'll have an outworking in what we do day by day. Be with us in our workplaces. Be with us, Father God, in our institutions or where we study. Be with us in our homes. Be with us wherever we go. That the angels of the Lord will watch over us. That the blood of Jesus will cover us. That we will, Father God, see miracles take place in our lives this week. What we are trusting for you for, Lord God, will come to pass, Father God, according to your will, your plan, and your purposes. No weapon formed against us will prosper. No tongue that is raised will stand. We thank you, Lord God, that we stand as more than conquerors in the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who saved us, the one who's called us, and the one who's directed us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have a blessed week, and God bless you. Amen.